Welcome into the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. And instead of having our uh, weekly Picune preview, we're branching it out a bit and we're going to have a Picune Popperville type preview. So that will take us into the 4A and 6A ranks this week as we'll look at uh, what Picune and Popperville will have to do to make it to Oxford that first weekend in December and compete for a state championship. To make all that happen, we have Ricky Whitaker with us as usual. Jeff Lassette, always behind the dials. We've actually got a microphone on his face tonight, and so he'll be joining us. And then Jason Baker on the line. So welcome in, guys. JB, we appreciate you taking some time for us, uh, the voice of the Popperville Hornets with the Talking Ball Y'all media group. And the Hornets have advanced to the second round of the state playoffs. So let's talk a bit about their matchup with Forest County this week coming at the Hornets' Nest. Yeah, Clay, uh, thank you for having me. And uh, honestly, you know, when you when you think about this, I think you have to start that their season began with Forest County in a jamboree, um, in a varsity half of action. Forest County was able to win that half, if you will, seven to six. Um, so I think any time that you've got a prior matchup you know, previously, as you go into a playoff matchup, you know, both teams are going to draw on something, right? The winner's probably going to draw on the success that they had. And then I think the losing team of that situation probably draws on uh, the motivation that comes from you didn't beat these guys last time. And so I, I think when you kind of smile and think like, wow, so would Forest County be the favorite in this matchup? And the Hornets are a home dog boy you would probably like the hornets position as that at, at least in terms of motivation but you know uniquely enough jay beach is is kind of a guy that i don't think he really likes to bring up all these types of motivating factors i think he just has a standard and he asks his hornets to play to him now there's probably other members of the staff that are going to bring it up to this club and remind them that they were beat and uh, maybe play that underdog role a little bit so you know, we'll see. It's it's sort of an intriguing position. I don't know that the Hornets have really been in this situation. They've been some road dogs in some of these playoff matchups, I would say. But um, kind of a unique situation to have them inside the Hornets' nest and to think, hey, man, this team beat you the last time y'all played. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting if you're going to put that much weight or if you know, you're going to put that much stock, if you will, in a jamboree. We'll ask uh, both Ricky and I, and then Jeff was able to see the kid uh, with his own eyes this past Friday night at the Hornets' Nest. Me and Ricky Whitaker, of course, have heard your uh, calls, but tell me how much did the Keys kid play in the backfield in that jamboree? None. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's, that's probably the, the, the caveat to it, right, is that these two teams are different. They're different, too. Uh, Forest County, my understanding, has made a change at quarterback. Uh, they had a senior. They have chosen now to go young. Um, play a freshman quarterback that they kind of believe is maybe the future of their football program. And, you know, Jay Beach, um, right after that uh, West Jones ball game, um, really, or really right after the Pearl River Central ball game, decided to make the change as well. And so he brings in Ty Keys, a freshman running back, a young man that everyone within the Popperville community kind of known was going to get his opportunity. I don't think a lot of people thought it necessarily would come this year in the workload that it came in, but he's a young man who's been able to handle it, Clay. So, yeah, I mean, it. that's probably the caveat, but I just think football is one of those funny things. You know, you, you get out there on that field and you start reminding a team you took this loss against them and they go play that underdog role, motivation's, you know, awfully unique sometimes. Yeah, it looks like from afar that uh, Coach Beach and, and his staff, having uh, Jacob Owen back on that staff, and then uh, Coach DeWeese flipping around and taking care of the defense, which has been a really good um, defense. It looks to be kind of that, uh, use the underdog uh, term, but that they kind of grit and grinded through this thing and have done so to to earn a one seed, to earn uh, this game being at the Hornets. Now, just kind of take us through the mentality of the staff and the kids so far this season and, and the maturation that you've seen with this group. 
Yeah, it's been a lot. And it's really been probably my favorite part of this process is you take a team that's really inexperienced, um, you know, and, and I don't know that this is the most talented bunch, but I'll tell you what I think this bunch has done. This bunch has tried to get every ounce of everything in their systems out each and every Friday night. They've been plagued by injuries. Um, so it's been an injury kind of riddled season. And that's really been unfortunate because I think they've, they've had some guys that were some difference makers that when healthy could have really, really helped this ball club throughout this year to maybe look a little more dominant, but you know what, at the end of the day, there's really no pretty points in this, in this race of the playoffs. It's just about getting to where we are today, which is setting up and getting ourselves ready for a second round. And so the development of Sidney Blackman, you know, a quarterback, you had a three-year starter uh, that you lost in Matt Will a year, you know, from a year ago. And so now you get a young man in Sidney uh, Blackman, I said Blossman, Sidney Blackman, that you didn't know a lot about. And you just didn't really know how you were going to handle the situation. And I'll tell you, he's got a little, I describe him a lot, and I use this term, he's got a lot of moxie about him. He kind of moves around the pocket just well enough. He runs this offense in this too tight single wing. He'll put his head down and lumber for a few yards every now and then. And, you know, he's completing up over 40% of his passes on the year, which is an improvement over the last couple of years. And I think that's helped this offense, frankly, uh, adjust. And I think it's helped Ty Keys, if, if we're honest. And so you have to start there. That development has been big for this club. And then, you know, they made some changes within the offensive line and moved some guys. They didn't really move personnel per se, but they've moved guys from one position to the next that they felt better adequated to their talents. And I think, as as you well know this, Clay and Jeff and, and, and Ricky as well, I think that's where the underappreciation for Jay Beach comes in, that how much he understands blocking and scheme and talent within his players of what they do best. And he's in, unlike some coaches, he's not afraid to try things. Um, and, he, and he does so methodically. And I think the switch on the offensive line um, has really been big for this ball club. And I think it's, it's fit. Rhett McCardle is the young man that it really involved in getting him down into a guard and allowing him to move and pull and kick out a DN has really fit Rhett McCardle. And so, you know, taking that change – just really spurred this offense. And then, of course, the move to Ty Keys certainly looks like it was a smart move and maybe a well-timed move. You didn't put him out there against a, a West Jones defense, and so you've allowed him to have some success early and, and get some belief and confidence. He doesn't lack too much confidence. He's a young man that's, that's very confident in his own abilities. But you know what I mean, the confidence of reps and, and success in uh, – now you look at him and, you know, you, you hardly even think he's a freshman out there at this point. I mean, he just looks like another really, really talented Poplarville running back. And that's sort of been the maturation on the offense. And then defensively, it's a unit that I think had a higher um, expectation of. And I think their ceiling was higher. And, and I think they've hit some of that, but they've been plagued. Aiden Dito, their senior defensive end, has missed four weeks. He returned last week, and he looked like the difference maker you need him to be. They lost one of their best interior defensive linemen, Scott Jarrell. He's done for the season, and it's really unfortunate. He was having a fantastic season. And he's one of those unsung heroes that you find on these Popperville defenses at times, where his numbers don't jump out at you. But when you pop the tape in, he has a role. He plays his role, and he did his role each and every play within the scheme of the defense and, and really was a valuable piece that they're going to miss. And then they've had some youth. A, a young man named Nathan Brown has had a fantastic season. He's a sophomore as a nose guard. Titan Smith is a young man who was given some opportunity while Aiden was out that I think made the most of it. And then the development of the linebackers have been big. And then the secondary has been to me where they've had to piece it together at times but they've got two safeties who can hold that secondary down in Lawrence Jamison and JT Robinson. And they're just two super talented individuals. 
that to me have been difference makers for this defense. And as they move forward in these playoffs, to me, JT Robinson and Lawrence Jamison are going to be two guys that must be difference makers for this club because they're they're going to get tested Friday night. And then if the Hornets could even possibly get uh, the victory and move on, they're going to really get tested as they move into this Class 4A with some of the talented wide receivers that are in this uh, in this bracket. Hey, Bake, I know I know you spend a lot of time looking at the the seedings, not just the South Side but the North as well. And uh, one of the things that's intriguing to me with the way that we've been reseeded is we got a lot of new faces, uh, a, lot, a lot of new opponents that we haven't really seen before, which is kind of fun, right? You get to see some new opponents. But who's really kind of piqued your attention maybe on that north side uh, and maybe a team to keep an eye on uh, as Popperville continues to advance? Well, I'll tell you one, Ricky, that uh, they're a team that has had playoff success previously. We've not faced them, but that's a West Lauderdale club. That's a club that still runs some wing tee principles. Um, of course, you know, when you look to the north half, everything that jumps out at you is Louisville, right? And you just almost want to pencil them all the way through. And, and sometimes that's probably a disservice to some of the rest of those teams. And, and it's just because of how dominant Louisville has been. But West Lauderdale just seems to be a team on the north half that's uh, just gone about their business very quietly, and then you look up at them and you think, "Wow, like what what a what a season they've had." And then I think on the south half, Quitman is the club, Ricky. That frankly, I don't know anything about, uh, and, and this is a, a fault of my own. I not paid attention to them. Kind of really been dismissed because I think everyone thought Mendenhall would walk away with District Six and. Think or, or maybe five, I can't remember their exact district number, but you just assumed Mendenhall was going to be the winner of that division, and they weren't. And so, Quitman has kind of been slept on, and, you know, we had a common opponent in Stone, Stone County, and Jacob Acock uh, beat them, and so we've, we've got some ability to kind of know what they look like, but, you know, a team that, that's just quietly gone about their business, and here they are now in the second round, and I, I just tend to think, like, Man, don't just get quiet on them, right? Don't take your eyes off them because they're, they're to me, one of those intriguing teams. They're on our other half, so we won't see them until South State uh, Championship if we're so lucky and fortunate to be there. But you just got to pay attention to them because I think they're kind of the – if you go into that 4A South and you think, hey, Columbia's really good, Macomb's really good, and I think people are saying that about Poplarville, you, you kind of catch a team there as the one seed that's that's really been overlooked, and that's a dangerous spot to, to sometimes put one seeds to where they've got the ability to kind of know like they're under the radar, right? I, I think early on in Jay Beach's tenure, the Hornets kind of had that luxury for a couple of seasons until people really started paying attention to the success of this program, and I think that's kind of the spot that Quitman is currently in in this, in this 4A South. Well, Bego, I mean, I know that we're certainly putting the, the cart before the horse, but looking at it from a broadcaster standpoint, and I know you know those two guys as well as I do, but I, I'm kind of pulling, man, for, for a Poplarville matchup, uh, have, have them to go face off a couple old teammates, and they I know they played already, but how cool would it be to have Coach Stocksteel and Coach Beach matching up for South State? Well, it'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Uh, it'd speak a lot to our district, too, uh, if that was – if that was the case, uh, I think that's who Quitman is playing this week, right? I think yep. he's playing yep. as Christian. And, um, yeah, that, and I tell you, man, like, don't overlook what Jeff Stockstill's done in year one there because, I mean, we played that team twice last year with running clocks, and it took everything in us to get out of past Christian with a win on that Thursday night uh, a little more than a month ago. And, and that's to his credit, right, because it's basically the same team um, that they returned from from a year ago, and so, boy, Rick, that would be just downright special if it was those two left. And you know, I mean, hey, look at, at this moment, right? That there's a real possibility of that, uh, at least a one in eight chance, yep. right now sitting in in South Four A. So, I mean, it it certainly could happen. You know, Columbia has been really, really good. I I have not peaked. I have not looked. Um, obviously you're not going to get any stats, but, uh, I've not been able to get much information on them and that's how they prefer it. And so you kind of just have to wait until you get that film. I have looked at Macomb some, there's some folks on Twitter that put some stuff out and you're able to 
really kind of hone in on them. And, and certainly I've been paying attention to Forest County. That's a really unique spot. And Rick, you'll appreciate this. When we played them last year as district rivals, it was maybe and arguably the most dominant half of football I think I've ever watched from the Poplarville Hornets from all facets. And don't just take my word for it. I interviewed Dodd Lee, the former Picking Maroon Tide coach that night, about the offense because of he's a guy who understands single wing as well as anyone in maybe the state of Mississippi. And Dodd literally said, was that not the most dominant half you've seen of the Poplarville Hornets? And so when you think how far we've come from that game a year ago, then when we got out of each other's district, Larry Dolan and Jay worked the deal to, to play in a jamboree over there back in Brooklyn, and they beat us, right? I mean, that's, that's a, a, whoa, this is a team you need to watch for. So I've paid attention to Forest County all year just in anticipation. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's won a state title at that school. And so he knows how to get it done there, and there's a lot of respect between these two programs. They are very familiar. This coaching staff is very familiar with his, and he's very familiar with this coaching staff. And so, um, yeah, like you, you just kind of have to brace yourself for, for anything and everything for Friday night, and then you just never know in these playoffs, man, what, what shakes out past to talk to you to what you mean as far as Jeff Stockstill. Like he might have maybe the best collective group of skill guys in the South. Now, keep in mind, I've not seen Columbia, right? But as a group, as a whole, top to bottom, there wasn't a nickel's worth of difference really between his top wide receiver and his worst young man. And he's got a really good running back in the backfield. Uh, Dito is his last name. And so anytime you've got three guys out there that can catch the ball, they, they all have similar body types. That's a scary club, too. I can promise you Quitman, or they have Quitman's attention. Like, I can assure you of that. They popped that tape in and said, you know, how is this a two-seed? And, um, you know, they, they're just a talented bunch that the Hornets were able to, to grit one out on a Thursday night over there uh, against Jeff Stockstill in that club. You know, and Baker, I was actually on the field Friday night watching, you know, Popperville uh, face Lanier in the first round, and, and – it was, you know, from the beginning of the game, it was a typical uh, Coach Beach football game. I mean, they, they went up big, and they and they went through uh, Lanier. Of course, we had running clocks uh, off and on throughout that ball game. But uh, just your thought, I mean, watching the Hornets, as you were calling the Hornets all year, it, the fans at Popperville, is gonna, it's, they're going to be in for a totally different ball game uh, this Friday night, both offensively and defensively. And I think, you know, you could back me up on this watching, and you mentioned the defense, but the key is, you know, you're going to have to force Forest County to make uh, some mistakes. You're going to have to force them to turn the football over. And then, of course, the offense uh, with Blackman and them is going to have to play flawless, I believe, uh, against Forest County there at the Hornets' Nest. Yeah, last week was a unique spot for the Poplarville Hornets to be in. Only one other time in Jay Beach's tenure has he gone into the playoffs off a loss? And uh, matter of fact, he said the only other time was his first season. That was against Van Cleve, and they whacked them. He said it was a blowout. It was a ball game that was over. You know, the Hornets lost really a heartbreaker on that Friday night over at Green County in a ball game that I think every person in the green and gold would tell you they did not play to the level in the expectation of Poplarville Hornet football. Not one single member. And look, I'm, I'm of the first admittance, too. I, for the first time in my broadcasting career, I literally showed up to that stadium without a visiting team roster by accident. That was not done intentional. Um, I had my site chart, but I just somehow that week just got away from me and printing off the Greene County roster. And so I think you caught a Hornet team, Jeff, that final week of the regular season in a really unique position with nothing to gain and everything to lose, and they got beat by a good Greene County performance. And so you kind of caught an edgy Poplarville team last week when you watched them in that first quarter jump out on a Lanier. My challenge, and, and if it was me, the, the motivation in the talk this week would be I need that same edginess. I need that same intent and focus that you had coming off that 29-28 heartbreaker as you did coming off this running clock against Jackson Lanier. 
that's easier said than done. And if you could get that every week and bottle it up, you would be a billionaire right now selling it to football coaches, especially high school football coaches. But to me, that's what the Hornets have to do. They can't allow a Forest County team much belief early in this game. Go out there and play physical, fast, play to your standard, and do it well early in that game. And hopefully you'll find success, and that'll lead to a lead. And then, you know, I think, Jeff, you can speak to it probably as well as anyone. I think Jay Beach is one of the best. When he gets that two-score lead, three-score lead, he can get that ball game over with in a hurry. And uh, they're built for that kind of football game, right? And so, uh, you know, it's a little different scenario this week. And the first quarter, I am so dialed in this week on how the Hornets are going to look in terms of focus, intent, energy, passion, all of that. And and you know what? That's that some of that falls on the fans too, and this fan base and the atmosphere that the Hornets Nest is. That to make sure this club is motivated, to make sure this club is feeling that, you know, the kids call it juice, right, to, to feel that edge. Um, because they felt it last week, but it was easier last week coming off a 29-28 defeat. To me, it's this week, do you have the same intensity and focus coming off a playoff win where everybody around town said, hey, man, what a performance, what a performance, what a performance. Do you still – and I'll use this term, do you still have that pissed-off look in your eye that you had coming off that last regular season game against Greene County getting getting upset? And I mean that with respect to Greene County. Getting upset and then coming into the playoffs because certainly Jackson Lanier caught the brunt of that. Hopefully, Forest County can catch the same. But what you know, only time will tell here in probably, what, about 72 hours from now. Yeah, well, one thing we'll know, they'll be super well prepared. That's been kind of the hallmark, the staple of what Coach Beach and his crew have been able to do, man. It's not lost on us. I know it's certainly not lost on you, but it was before we started covering Popperville football, but it's not all that long ago. It just sticks in my mind that 2010 year where that program did not win a football game, and my, have things changed up on the hill there in Popperville, Mississippi, and Coach Beach, and a lot of those guys, a lot of that staff that have been there with him, if not the entire time, but for the majority of the time, he'll have his team old up and ready, and whoever comes out of the South, the 4A, will be a mighty good opponent for, if it is Louisville or who maybe will be sitting in there at the, from the North spot. When you look at Columbia, 11-0, and and then you look at Macomb, 11-0, and We've been through this a bunch of times, JB <laughs> and Jeff, and normally it's uh, Popperville kind of looking out of the corner of the Odyssey, uh, potentially who's out there. Well, there's a bunch to deal with in the South this year. Macomb, man, I'm looking at these numbers. Wes Jones has some staggering numbers like this, but Macomb nearly 500 points for, 496 to be exact, and have only given up 67. So, you can talk about schedule and strength of this and strength of that. It really doesn't matter who you've played through 11 ball games, JB, to throw up those kind of numbers. No, it really doesn't. I, I, tell, you, I tell you what else it does for me is you and I had this conversation. Wes Jones has given up about half of those uh, 66 points. That's how good that defense the Hornets tried to go against uh, in that week. But you're right, Clay. Like, there's some – there's some programs in this South. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the feel within the state in 4A is that it's Louisville and then it's everybody else. And that's okay sometimes because, to me, if they're going to run away with the North, and I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying that's the feeling, at least at this moment. In South 4A, I think you're going to see teams, whichever team comes out of it, battle-tested because – I really think you're looking at a much more deeper side of the bracket. And, and again, you know, you just never know how this thing plays out, right? You've got two teams undefeated, like you pointed out, Clay, and we've got that T-shirt, right? We've, we, we've worn that and seen that in Hornet Bowl 1 and what that felt like and the pressure and all that that, that comes with a ball game of a magnitude of people telling you, I can't wait for Macomb. Because you can better well believe there's people in those communities right now telling Macomb, telling Columbia, 
man, we can't wait for you to play Columbia. We can't wait. We can't wait. And that's where you got to guard because there's a team in this bracket in South 4A that's got more wins in the last decade in the playoffs than any other team in 4A, and that's the Poplarville Hornets. And so I think Jay Beach, as you mentioned, Clay, he will have them ready. And you know what? This is a coaching staff that knows how to win big ball games, and they're not going to crumble under pressure. And I think you're, I think kids, and, and Ricky can speak to this maybe as well as I can, as a football player, you you mimic your head coach. You mimic that coaching staff. You you play like they want you to play because it's ingrained in your mind. When you played for Dodd Lee, you were tough. And dang it, you knew you were fixing to play for four quarters, and you knew the other team wasn't prepared to play for four quarters. And you relished the thought of when they were suffering in that third and fourth quarter and you were mentally tougher than them to know you were fixing to execute. And so for the Hornets – all this success that has happened over the last 10 decades, while it doesn't buy you that win on Friday night, it does buy you the intangibles to rely upon it when you're pressured and it's third and two and you're tired and it's halfway through the fourth quarter and you're down by five and you're going to drive for the win. That's when that comes into play because you can rely upon it and know I'm supposed to execute this way. I'm supposed to get this block. I'm supposed to do this. And, and it's expected of me to do this, and we've been engraved in this. And so, yeah, man, Jay Beats is going to have him ready. That I know, and and he'll have him ready Friday night. And if there's any more Friday nights after this Friday night for this for this program and this team and this ball club, I'll believe he'll have him ready against any other opponent that will play. And you know, that's that's the beauty of what's what's translated in this town in this community. And it's not lost in this town, Clay. 2010 in a winless program and you know I hope they don't take it for granted that's what I hope I hope people around town realize that this team deserves that undeserving support much like the 2016 club got and the 2018 club got in 19 and 20 and so on um that's what I hope and and so far they have but you know there there have been some games that I thought well the Hornet Nation said we'll just tune into talking ball y'all like that's cool, and we want you on this app, and we want you listening in, but we really want you in those stands. And you can bring a headset or some earphones and listen in if you want to sit in the stands and listen. We, we welcome that. But this this program deserves to have a full house and, and have it electric and have it rocking and ready because, you know, Larry Dolan's a good football coach that's won a lot of games, and he's going to have his team ready Friday night too. He absolutely will. I know you and your crew will be ready to – Rock and roll at 6.30 uh, for your pregame show. We appreciate uh, you, JB. We appreciate uh, what you do for uh, Talking Ball, y'all, what you've always done for us. But more importantly, man, we appreciate uh, the friendship. And it's good being able to talk some ball with you this evening. Absolutely. Clay, Rick, Jeff, appreciate you guys. I appreciate all y'all done and entrusting me to, to carry on what you guys started with the Poplarville Hornets. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to – to walk in y'all's shoes and, and, and carry this talking ball y'all brand even further. And I, I really look forward to the future. And, and frankly, I, I can't wait for Friday night and it'll be a lot of fun. And I promise you, I've got me a roster printed for this <laughs> Friday night. 100% fellas. Y'all, uh, y'all have a great night. Good Absolutely. luck, babe. Thanks man. Dungan engineering is a unique force in problem solving in the state of Mississippi. They have offices in Brookhaven, Columbia, Picayune and Macomb. Dungan Engineering has the capability to provide expansive and complex services to state agencies, local governments, utility providers, and national firms. They do this all while preserving the good neighbor attitude that allows them to be active members in the communities they serve. Their motto is service, strength, solutions. It's not just words, not just goals, and not just an outcome. Healthy pets, happy people, exceptional medicine, compassionate care. That's our motto at the Animal Health Clinic in Picayune. Located at 500 Kelly Road, we are equipped with the latest veterinary technology and provide a full menu of animal health services, including after-hours emergencies. Dr. Alan Smith invites you to join our clinic family by checking out our website at ahcpicayune.com or calling us at 601-799-1300.
Are you looking for a neighborhood cruiser? A cart to get you from green to green or just a fun campground buggy? Then come visit the friendly staff at Bayou Buggies in Poplarville. We've got just about any cart to fit your needs. We can even custom build the cart of your dreams. Come see the guys who know golf carts because golf carts is all we do. Give us a call today at 601-746-9814. Visit us online at bayoubuggies.com or stop by our showroom at 1722 South Main Street in Poplarville. Bayou Buggies, a proud sponsor of the Talking Ball Y'all broadcast of high school sports in Pearl River County. Hockey fans, Seawolves Action is back at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum November 18th. Head to our website, MississippiSeawolves.com, or call our office today, 228-999-8333. If you're looking for that cool Seawolves merch, head to SeawolvesMerch.com and check out our online store today offering great merchandise deals. Thank you to the Talking Ball Podcast, official partners of the Mississippi Seawolves. All right, we appreciate Jason Baker there joining us for the 4A preview and certainly a uh, program that, that's special to us. That Popperville program has been so good to the Talking Ball Y'all Media Group. But now it's time to turn your attention to 6A football, and that's your Picayune Maroon Tide getting the first-round matchup. And we'll look at Forest Hill, Rick, the best that we can. We have some huddle tape at our disposal we have a little bit that we have found kind of at the ends of the internet on their stats and even, honestly, their roster. They're going to come in with a, a puncher's chance. Look, it's playoff football. You have to treat every snap, every rep as a live bullet. You can't uh, take it easy. You can't take any opponent lightly. You certainly have to respect all opponents when it's one and done. And it will be uh, the Forest Hill Patriots coming to Lee Triplett Stadium. Slick, in your study on them, tell us about uh, Zaylin Thompson. He's going to be kind of their do-everything type athlete back there at the quarterback position. Tell us what you know about him. And then anybody else that Tony Fell and his group that are going to bring in that you think could potentially – Calls Picayune harm. Yeah, well, and, and we'll go back to Clay because you mentioned Coach Tony Fell was hired in to take this program over after a one and ten finish of the season last season. So they overall are going to be sitting at a record of five and six, so a much improved team. That's it's a lot of confidence. You go from one and ten to five and six, feel pretty good about yourself. So making the playoffs is, I mean, they're a playoff football team this year, right? So they've got a lot of confidence because of that. But Zaylen Thompson, the young man you mentioned, he'll be the signal caller for them. He's a senior. He'll be wearing number four on Friday night, and he's a big kid. He stands at uh, 6'1", 220 pounds, and he's been Mr. Do-Everything. Um, 104 uh, pass attempts for 182 completions, so that's about 57% completion rate, 1,215 yards through the air, nine touchdowns, four, four interceptions, and then 948 rushing yards. He also leads in that category, so a 2,000-yard guy uh, total, 19 touchdowns on the ground. We mentioned his size, another young man back there, um, the second leading rusher on the team, and they're starting tailback. He'll be wearing number 23, and that's junior Jamarcus Bird. Uh, he's got 133 carry, 600 yards, two touchdowns, and then uh, Derome uh, Cavett, he's a junior wide receiver. He leads their receiving group with uh, 409 yards and nine touchdowns, so not a lot of stats for their defense, but we know that they close the regular season out with a with a fifty five to nothing loss to Terry, uh, which is was the game that was was going to determine who came to Lee Triplett Stadium, uh, them or Terry. They got that draw, but um, it's a team with a lot of a lot of growth uh, year over year. But um, as you mentioned, happy to be here and and, and a team that we got to make sure we come in and, and and play like we've been playing the last several weeks, play Picayune football and continue to build on on what, what we've been doing uh, in Picayune. Yeah, and when you look at it, Rick, some numbers and some names that uh, just jump off the roster. Once again, 53, Shaq Lofton, he's 6'1", 270, he's a senior. Then you have Ja'Shawn Miller, he's 6'5", 355. Uh, so those are some kind of heights and weights that certainly uh, would get your attention if you're preparing for a team like the Patriots that are going to make the long trip down um, from Jackson. There's a 
an early forecast. We record these typically on Tuesday night. That's what we're doing here on this Tuesday night. It it calls for rain, and, and so Picune, the thing that I think they've really done a good job recently of, of shoring up is putting the ball on the turf. Anybody that would tell you, you, you use our basketball analogy a lot, and, and this is a tournament, it's a bracket that we're getting a look at together, so we'll think back to our college roommate days of uh, taking in March Madness together. One thing that can really pump life into an opponent is if you help them, and, and helping them would be for us to put it on the turf a few times. Just have to guard against those type of things and play clean maroon tied football. I, I think that's exactly right, Clay. And you look at how this Picune team has developed, particularly over the last several weeks. Coach Steiner told me in our, our preview, uh, pregame episode, a uh, pregame interview uh, prior to the Hancock game, he said, I thought we played about 45 minutes of that 48 minute of Picune football. That's a whole lot better than what he said previously. We saw that against George County, and it carried over to Hancock. I mean, Clay, you look at just what the starting unit did, 49 points on the board and in a goose egg for Hancock. This is a team who's 8-3 and three, uh, that's going to sit as the, as the four seed. They were halfway to 100, probably could have got there in the second half. That's how well they played. They certainly, uh, as a starting group, played 24 very good minutes of football. That trend is, is continuing. We've, we've had at times some ebbs and flows from this Tide team. And we've seen a lot more flow than ebb here lately. Yeah, that's a good point. Had it seven times and scored seven touchdowns in that opening half. That is uh, high, high end. We used, I think we used cylinders. I'm trying to think. Anything that clicks or yep. generates or does, I kind of ran out of adjectives there in the first half on on the different ways that that offense was clicking. And, and credit the defense. I mean, that came in, uh, and I say that, that Hancock – offense and I think still to this point has the highest scoring offense in 6A football the tie didn't give up anything until it was the twos and the threes in the second half very limited yardage we're forcing uh, quick punts um, from that Hancock high-powered offense when you look at it on max preps and the numbers I mean that's an offense um Two guys on the Bernard Blackwell All-Star game, and you just would never know it against that potent defense. I thought the defense was as good as the offense, which is certainly a mouthful. That was a masterpiece last week yep. in that first half. It, it, it certainly was, Clay. I mean, just the way the team's gelling together. And, look, I mean, we've mentioned, you know, getting uh, CD6 back and, and how well he looked. And I tell you, we've, we've said the word Nike Ratcliffe probably so much that – I mean, if I had a dollar, we might could you know retire mm. from our jobs at this point over the last. Or couple some of, weeks. of his NIL number, because that's got to yeah. be coming soon. It's got to be I coming mean, soon. I mean, he has balled but, lately. But I'll throw this at you, Clay, as a new talking point. His engagement in the offense, he looks better on defense, right? I mean, he looks yeah. he looks like he's playing just with a a bigger. I don't want to say chip on his shoulder, but he's just playing better on all levels. I'm like, what is it? He gets all these rushes, and he's playing better on defense. But that one-two punch, and then you mentioned you, you mix in Smith with that. Mm. My goodness, that's that's going to be a monster of a three-headed monster. Yeah, they slipped him out wide and peppered him with the football. And when you go back and look at uh, some of the video that Dave was able to capture on that uh, Picune Twitter feed, dude, he put on some dance moves too slick. I know we credited him inside of the call, but then when you get that close-up from that level that Dave's getting those videos – he made a hawk disappear, I think, at the 12, and then two of them just out in space. I mean, it was a phenomenal. It it really reminded you of him losing kids last uh, last year in a state championship. And he's been a bit banged up, but you would have never known it no. last week. I mean, all three of those guys in Nike, I mean, it just looks like he loves it, doesn't it? I mean, yep. he, he's not even uh, – He's not. He doesn't look winded. He doesn't look tired being asked all of this of. He looks to truly embellish it and brace it. And then you look in that old Max Preps machine. He's banging on a thousand yard mark for the year. He's got eight fifty eight slick. He's averaging almost nine <laughs> per carry, and he's got thirteen touchdowns. Look at this rushing offense for the Tide. They're averaging seven per. I mean, that's unreal. That's yep. two touches and move those old sticks, and it's been phenomenal. 
uh, to watch. We saw Colt Robertson able to rotate in early um, last week. I think that's a good thing for uh, things to come for the sophomore to play some real uh, meaningful snaps. And so all went well in the first half last week. We talked about it. You stated it again there. I'll say it once more. The George County win, we talked about it. It could do two things. It could create a bit of a hangover and think, oh, that was an emotional high. We went over here and beat Deuce Knight and the Notre Dame uh, commit and all that goes with that. But they truly used it to hit another level. And if we can keep leveling up with the talent, the snaps that have already been played on this team, I still think that our best football is in front of us. And as a staff and as a uh, program, that is right where you want to be when you flip the calendar and, and begin – you got to go 4 and 0 to go back to back to back and you're playing really good football to try to get there. Yeah, I mean we you know we we're beating a dead horse here but it, again it's worth saying again it, this is the time where you want to be playing your best and those guys you mentioned, you know CD6 and Nike and and Darrell Smith, you know just the glimpse we had of them on the field together, you know it's a daydream for us but an absolute nightmare if you're the opposing coach to think about this because it's not just one guy. you got three guys that could work in uh, simultaneously uh, in, the, in the offense together. So that may, certainly makes it a whole lot easier on, on the lefty quarterback and, and Brady Robertson, and, and it surely uh, helps this offensive line as well, who's also done a phenomenal job. Yeah, it has, and I think it's worth noting, I think Brady's done a pretty good job of late blocking, and Conti has too. I mean, I think that was a little bit of a question mark how willing uh, Jeremiah or Tristan or whoever was going to take that fullback role and grab it, how willing would they be to get out and block. They've done a good job as a whole. And then uh, Mitchell Smith out at that left tackle position has just been brutal, man. I mean, we thought he would have a big year. He may be better than I thought he was going to be at this point in his career. And so the offense is humming. The defense – this is a sophomore-heavy uh, group on that defensive side, Rick. They've seen all the different offenses that the state has to offer. And we're going to roll into these playoffs, and you and I have kind of hung our hat on this being the best defensive line in the state, this being the best defensive unit in the state. And if they go 4-0, they would have proved it because they're going to have to beat a defensive line, maybe potentially down the road, that a lot of people are starting to kind of give that attention to. And I think this unit is just chippy enough that they kind of hear that chirping of the Mustangs and Wes Jones kind of garnering some of what I think this defense thinks, hey, that's us. We're the back-to-back guys here, and we've been the dominant unit. We've got the five-star out at our defensive end. So I think that's kind of a perfect mashup, too, is that somebody else that's kind of getting some of that love that Picune's really honestly earned. So a lot of things kind of building up to be a special run, but you have to take care of the first one. You can't win four in a row if you drop an egg here early against Forest Hill. And face it, Forest Hill would love nothing more. I mean, it'd be the upset of the state. And so they're going to push and and try to have that happen. We'll turn to Jeff Lonsett. He's the voice of the Pearl River Central Blue Devils. And Forest Hill's win over Pearl River Central, Jeff, is really the reason that this ball game is is matching up like this. It could have been the Blue Devils making the short trip down to Lee Triplett Stadium, but it was a three-point margin earlier in the year that earned Forest Hill forced Hill this trip by beating the Blue Devils. Kind of tell us what you saw in that ball game, what uh, you know about Forest Hill through calling that action. Well, you know, and it, you're right. It was a, a 30-27 to 27 win for the uh, Patriots of Forest Hill against PRC, but uh, they're going to be physical. They're coming down here. You know, we just had a moment to talk to Jason Baker where, you know, last week Lanier and Popperville coming with nothing to lose and everything to play for. And that's what Forest Hill's coming down as the four seed. And a lot of times, um, you know, everybody overlooks the four seed. So they know what's ahead of them with Picune. Everybody in this state knows what's ahead of them with Picune. So they're real physical up front. They will move you off the line. They can push the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively. They can do some movement around. And, you know, Ricky, you hit on Thompson and his, his you know, the, the able to throw the football. Of course, he's the leading rusher. Uh, for the Patriots as well. But I'm going to hit on another note that I think Picune 
has to do what Picking's been doing all year, and that is forcing the turnovers. You mentioned that he had uh, 104 for 182, 1,215 yards, nine touchdowns, but I got him with four interceptions Mm -hmm. and six sacks. So the defense is getting to him, and I think Picayune can do that. I think Picayune's just physical enough. I mean, I've watched him play. I watched him play the first half at Hancock. Of course, I've been around Picayune uh, my whole life, and they're physical enough up front. I think they can make it a little hectic for Thompson, you know, as he tries to step back. And if it's not there, he's going to go. But the ends and the outside for Picayune, I think, are fast enough to keep him contained within. And then he runs the football. He was the leading rusher. You mentioned that, but he's got four fumbles as he's rushing the football as well. So I think if Picayune stays to their true and, you you know, make them make mistakes, mm-hmm. yep. get in there and force them to make the mistakes and then play Picayune football, I mean, I, I think Picayune's going to, you know, handle the business as a one seed should against the four seed, but just, just flat out play Picayune football. They're going to be physical. And they're going to play to the whistle. And sometimes afterwards, if it gets a little chippy with some things that going on, depends on <clears throat> how the refs let them play. Uh, but I think them six sacks, four INTs, and then four fumbles running the football uh, can be, you know, it will be a difference maker, of course, you know, yeah. if Picayune can, can force them turnovers. Just bringing up an interesting uh, point, as he normally does. Uh, we certainly appreciate you, Jeff. But the chippiness. They have nothing to lose, right. and then if they get down, they certainly have nothing to lose, especially if you're a senior on that club. There is really no suspension or punishment. Picking's got to be careful. Can't uh, walk into round two with a couple quarters that have to be missed because you got into something dumb but with a kid. They can't from get in that trap. They can't yeah. get caught in that trap. Yeah. That's a great That's a point. point by yep. you, and I'm sure a point that will be made by the staff. But if you're a player and listening tonight, don't get into any – extracurricular stuff and cost yourself and and potentially round two. Um, Okay, let's look at the overall picture, the overall bracket. You heard us do this earlier on the um, 4A side for Popperville and and some kind of teams out there. When you look at it, uh, Rick, in the 6A, we've talked Picune Forest Hill. Picune Forest Hill, the winner of, will get Hattiesburg, Pascagoula. If it's Picune that wins that ball game, they – will indeed host as you earn that one seed you will guarantee yourself to be at lee triplet stadium not only this week you win that ball game you will be back at home and take on the winner of hattiesburg pascagoula how do you kind of see that uh ball game playing out rick i think it's going to be an interesting one clay and and i guess i've got pascagoula coming out on that one certainly hattiesburg is is a, a very big physical group up front uh, we know that uh, Coach Vance's son, uh, Deuce, plays quarterback for them. He's an athletic kid. But just a lot of anomalies there. But Hattiesburg's probably the team that we know on our side more, you know, because we've we've played those guys. That's a team that George County has played, turned the ball over a ton of times and, and, and still had a chance to win that game in overtime. But what's kind of weird is Hattiesburg lost their opening game up to pedal. Uh, that's a team that Hancock, who's our four seed, beat 46-7. So you got little things like that that just make you go, hmm, I wonder. But I think Pascagoula, Clay, I, I, that monsoon we had there when we went to play them, the coach probably said, hey, if it rains, we're in trouble. And he's a, he's a great coach. And they started to run the football behind their big physical offensive line. They got a big size running back. They got a pretty good quarterback. But they started to run the ball a lot more, and you started to see that. We know how physical their defense is at times. Uh, they've got some three stars back there at the linebacker position. They're very physical. I think they can, they'll have a chance to, to, tr- uh, to come in and really put some pressure in, and stop this running game that Hattiesburg has and maybe make uh, Vance throw the football a little bit more. He's not a true quarterback. He's a very athletic kid that plays quarterback. He certainly can throw it. But I think that Pascagoula comes in with that game plan and tries to slow that game down, see if they can wear on those big guys from Hattiesburg. But it, it's going to be a in, very interesting matchup. The uh, Deuce got an offer from PRCC. I believe that was today or yesterday. And so uh, congratulations to Deuce uh, for for that. That's a Pascagoula team and a Hattiesburg team. They both come in at 7-3 and three marks. 
Jeff, once again, will have you uh, kind of speak to what you saw in Hattiesburg as the Blue Devils certainly took them on earlier in the year. Yeah, and, and they're going to be physical as well. You mentioned it up, defensive and offensive line, physical, getting after the ball. But I think Hattiesburg's going to go as Vance goes, the quarterback. He's going to – of course, he's the quarterback. He can, he can throw it. Don't get me wrong, he can throw it a country mile. He's not always accurate with his throws, but he got wide, he's got wide receivers that will go get it. But he's one of the other ones, just like I talked about Thompson with Forest Hill. He's going to look to throw, but if it ain't there, he's gone. And they'll move as as Vance moves, I believe. Uh, he gets a ton of yards on the ground out the backfield running it, but he's got a big, powerful back, too, he'll hand it to. Yep. And the offensive line will open up holes. So it's going to be a good game between Pascagoula and Hattiesburg, I believe. We saw Terry's yeah. coach. You were uh, kind enough to pass that along uh, to me and Coach Thickpin from Terry talking about how physical Hattiesburg was up front. The Flanders for Pascagoula, their big back has gotten hot of late. So that will be a really interesting uh, matchup. It will certainly be interesting to you and I because uh, hopefully at the half we're in a spot where we'll be feeling pretty good about things and kind of looking at this score to see who the Tide have in the following week. The bracket build kind of on top of Picune, if you're looking at it that way, will be West Jones versus Hancock and George County versus Terry. Let's kind of discuss those games. People may be sick of hearing uh, me talk about West Jones. They'll take on Hancock. Hancock's the four coming out of uh, Picune's district. West Jones has certainly earned the one seed, and then you have George County and Terry. George County's a bit of a mystery because we've only seen Deuce Knight uh, for, for not the whole season. So we missed him for the beginning of the season. We kind of saw him knock some rust off and, and probably be a truer uh, sign of what Deuce Knight's going to be for George County. And then they take on a Terry team who at times today has kind of driven us crazy to know exactly what – Terry's going to give George County. You mentioned some interesting scores. They certainly have some different scores uh, to kind of make you scratch your head at a 6-4 and four mark. They played West Jones as close as anybody has all year and then got blew out against Hattiesburg. Yeah, it, it's, been, it's been weird. That was that 2-0 that to nothing score. And, Clay, you look at this team, and really let's, let's just look at our, our two and three, four seeds on our side. It's another bit. It's a bit of a head-scratcher in itself. The two seeds, George County, as you mentioned, they played the, the four-seed Hancock. They won that game 28-26. They played the three-seed three uh, Pascagoula. That was a 43-40 win. So the 2-3-4 the for us, when you look at that, is pretty close, right? But Terry's the one that is, is the most intriguing for me a little bit. They haven't really been fully cocked all year. Um, they've got a linebacker. His name's Marion Bailey. He's committed to go play at Middle Tennessee State. He's a good-looking kid. And they've been without their running back, uh, sophomore, his last name is uh, Barber. I believe it's um, Rondé Barber. Uh, he's 200 pounds, sophomore kid. So both of those guys have been nursing injuries uh, throughout the year, and they're they're all going to be back in this game. Uh, the game they played against West Jones, from what we could see, Clay, they were all – everyone was playing on both sides. So when they're fully cocked, they're certainly a dangerous defense. Now, Deuce is the guy who's kind of the X factor in this whole thing in the South, right, because he's a – prolific playmaker we saw what they can do in a very short amount of time uh with deuce uh, knight back at the the quarterback position so that's going to be a very intriguing one but you mentioned it man they they blew out uh the team that we're playing on friday night in the regular season finale you know got into a baseball score only a safety won that game against west jones and then didn't show up very well against hattiesburg a little bit of a head scratcher but certainly a team who definitely george county better not take lightly yeah, and then you get on the other side of it, uh, Hancock. When you look at the points that Hancock's put up this year, 402. Now, Picune had Hancock uh, a week ago or a few days ago. We're recording this on a Tuesday, 49 to 0. So, uh, but have scored 402 points on the year versus a West Jones club. Rick, I just can't hardly get over it, man. I've given up 36 through 10 ball games. That's a field goal per game, my friend. That's pretty brutal defensive stat there. That that's going to be a tough one for uh for Hancock to have to go there and, and by the way that this West Jones team, they're the only undefeated team sitting at 10 and 0 of, all, of in, in our whole side of 6A. So, uh they're undefeated. We know how good their defensive line is. 
Uh, we know about the young man playing quarterback for them now. Just a freshman. We got to see him last year as an eighth grader, a young man that goes by the name of Tootie. Um, so they've got a lot of athletes there too, but that's going to be a tough one uh, for Hancock. You know, we've Picayune's had a, the tendency to wake teams up a little bit this year. Uh, after after losses to Picayune, teams have went on tears. Uh, Hancock's going to have a, a pretty tall task, but uh, certainly would be good to see, you know, three teams come out on our side in, in our district to advance. But, boy, that's, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, and you always want to be undefeated. I mean, that's competition. You want to keep it perfect. But I kind of like our 8-2, and two, man. I yep. think it's uh, has helped Picayune be right where it needs to be going into the season. I think the schedule laid out perfect by way the – where the bye was incorporated in there. I think it was a nice breaking point. I think the preseason schedule, you can look at what Picking did in district, and I think it really served its purpose. You didn't want to lose those two games, the Catholic game. Really, we've got film that said you didn't lose that right. one. The Ocean Springs was a bit of a dud, but as you said, uh, we've woke folks up. I think it helped uh, to kind of wake up the players and the staff. So uh, it you know, if we were doing a, a, a bowl championship type series and you were looking at resumes or the eye test, our eight and two would hold up, I think, through any classification as as pretty brutal football on that front end. And so I think that needs to be noted. If you get into just comparing schedules, not all uh, schedules yep. are certain certainly created equally, but not not something you want to just totally dismiss when a defense is only giving up 36 points through 10 ball games. No. Jeff, you saw Wes Jones. We heard Jason Baker, um, you know, off the uh, record, and I guess I'll put it on the record. You know, Jason talked about Wes Jones having a Division One guy on their defensive line, and he was like, I dare you to watch a half of football <laughs> and be able to tell me which one he is. He was like, they're all uh, four get after you on the front side. Tell us about – what you know about Wes Jones and any of these other teams inside of that district that's matching up against the Tides district? Well, Wes Jones, you mentioned you mentioned the freshman, Lindsey. You said Tootie with last name Lindsey. One of the hardest routes to throw as a quarterback is an out route. You can't tell this kid's a freshman. And, and he's, he wears it on his shoulders. And, I mean, he as, as all of them do, as I mentioned, Hattiesburg, they'll go as he goes. Uh, but – so far, ten and zero, and he's he's an outstanding quarterback. Physical defense, uh, and I'm I'm my head scratching too with the two to nothing between them and Terry because I've watched highlight films from both sides, and I really didn't see anything. Of course, highlights they're going to show you the good stuff and the good runs. I didn't really see anything bad or what made it be a two to nothing ball game. Uh, besides defense, I mean, of course, it has to be defense, and uh, defensive line is huge. Uh, for Wes Jones, and um, it's just – it will be a tall task for Hancock to go up to so-so and, and play Wes Jones. A beautiful uh, – uh, the the field and the, and the stands they've done with the LED lights and, and the, the stuff they do with the with the ball club now, uh, it's just uh, – it's, it's impressive to see uh, there. But I think I think Lindsey, man, he's, he's one of the best in the state at the quarterback just being a freshman. He's good, and, and somebody's going to have to see him for a long time. Right. And the, the young man that I mentioned already from Terry, uh, their linebacker, Marion Berry, his stats in that against that against West Jones, uh, 15 tackles, four tackles for a loss, a forced fumble, and an interception was really the the staple right. for um, for Terry in that ball game. And I'll go back to a comment that Clay made about picking and schedule, and we're not being homers here. You're not going to find a tougher non-different – district schedule anywhere in the state that Picayune played and oh and by the way Catholic they're the number one seed out in Louisiana and a pretty tough district that they play in they just upset a Zachary team that was undefeated last week and then you got a team like Ocean Springs who's also the one seed so uh, another team we played in Brandon they're going to be the they're the one seed so uh, they lost the game after Picayune and then one more than they won went on a tear and, and won a bunch of games there too so we played a lot of good football uh, teams and you look at Clay. Just the the other one seed, South Panola is going to be a one. Their only loss was to Oxford. Uh, that's a seven a one seed team. And then Warren Central is that other one seed up north, and they lost to Brandon twenty to seven and had an overtime loss to Pearl. So 
we've got a lot of familiarity, at least with some opponents, even with the North guy. So kudos to Coach Stogner and his group for putting some guys on the schedule that was going to get us ready for this point. Absolutely. And when you look at it, the way that it would lay out, we've already said Picayune would be at home the first week, the second week. If it's anybody but West Jones, you potentially are at home or will be at home that third week. That's my clay sweet, simple math. Um, if it is West Jones, you will indeed go get to see the spectacle that is the light show that Jeff Fossett was just <laughs> referring to up in Sosa, uh, Mississippi. And then that fourth week, uh, you hope you're in Vault Hemingway up in Oxford. But that's kind of how the playoff scenarios would lay out. And that's why it's so important back to that win at George County. You know, if George County were to be able to get there some way, somehow, you've got that trump card uh, by being that one seed. Jeff, did you have something to well, add on the South? No, I was just going to throw in one other name for Terry, and that's their quarterback, Ashton Fair, uh, somebody that George County is going to have to keep an eye on too. You know, he's over 600 yards, almost 15 touchdowns throwing. So uh, that's going to be besides uh, – I mean, everybody, you know, we're going to keep up with Picking. Of course, y'all are on the call for Picking Forest Hill. The Pascagoula Hattiesburg I think is going to be a good one. But I, I'd like to keep my eye on that Terry George County game. I think that's yeah. Be a and good Jeff, here, here's we another like you too too and shoot them yeah, scores please. Too. So please, here, here's a, here's another nugget for you too. Seventeen years since Terry's had a postseason berth. Um, they remember too. Uh, Baker mentioned that talking about probably that 2010 team that didn't win a game. They remember all those years and boy, you're you're carrying a lot into Loosedale. And I know that George County is another team who's had a bit of a drought playoff wise. Um, so they're 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 hungry too, but boy, this is going to be about as tough as you can find from a, a three seed. And Coach Thickpen gets it. He's a, a former collegiate quarterback at at Jackson State. He's a good guy. Is uh, Coach Thickpen there with Terry? Now let's take a quick glance to the north, and then we'll we'll get out of here. We've gone a bit long on the six A, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of intriguing matchups. Uh, to kind of talk about the University of, man, haven't been able to say yep. that. I think Rick Cleveland uh, pinned that as he so famously has pinned so many awesome things back when South Panola had the state's longest winning streak, a historic uh, winning streak. And, and Rick Cleveland, a, a common guest on this show, a friend of the program and and the Gov, man, to me, the, the best sports writer there is. And we just happen to have him in our own state. And the University of South Panola Slick sits up there as the one seed, a very impressive record coming into these playoffs. You have them, and then you have Warren Central, I think are the kind of the two teams that are, are looking to compete in that north side. Do you see it any other way? No, Clay, I, th I think you got it there. I mean, I think early on in the season we were looking maybe at a, at a Neshoba Central. They do have the two seed. Uh, on on their side, but they're five and five, and they they'll be playing Center Hill, another five and five team. I think it's really going to be South Panola and 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 Warren Central coming out. And you mentioned it, man. I remember it seems like it wasn't that long ago, just outside of college, you know, making a trip up to um to Panola County. We used to hunt out, you know, in the Oxford area some, and remember going into a Walmart to get some supplies, and they had those University of South Panola shirts all over the place, you know. And I remember hearing about it, but to see it was pretty cool. Uh, they, they, I don't know if they're back to their former glory that they once were, but they certainly have uh, made a big push this year to try to get back to some of that. So, um, you know, like we were telling Baker, it's just fun to look up and, and know that we don't have a head-on collision with a West Point again. That's somebody else's problem to deal with. But seeing these new, play, these new teams, it's a whole lot of fun for us. Yeah, and I'm sure West Point feels the same way, right? I'm pretty sure <laughs> certainly they're do. certainly glad that whatever classification system that the state came out with, I'm pretty sure that they're glad that the Picayune Maroon Tide were not in included in that one. As long as the South Panola doesn't have a Pekis or somebody like that running around, I mean, we can still picture that. Like, I mean, that was just nationwide. The yep. University of South Panola uh, was known. And so that's pretty cool to see that. And then you made – an interesting point, which you always do. That's not all that far from Oxford, Mississippi. Nope. And so they would not have a big problem getting some people there if that potentially was the matchup on that first Friday night in December that everybody's trying to get to from the 6A spot. And, man, what a lot of fun that we've described that's going to lay out over the next 
uh, four weeks. And boy, it's a blast. It's been a privilege and an honor to to follow both programs that have been, uh, or all three programs that have been mentioned tonight. We've mentioned the Pearl River Central Blue Devil from Jeff's perspective. He was able to have a, a really neat uh, senior season, not the results necessarily that the Blue Devils got on the field, but he was able to follow his son, Ethan Lossett, who started each and every game for the Blue Devils at the linebacker position. And Jeff was able to preserve that history and, and that for his family and be on the call for Ethan. That was a, a really cool thing to be able to check in. I, I wouldn't necessarily ask how the Blue Devils did, but I was certainly interested in how his young and how Ethan had, had done. And um, Blue Devils will bounce back, uh, but it was neat to be able to say that We've been able to provide the call on every snap for Pro River Central, for Popperville, and for Picayune, uh, the three high schools participating in 11-on-11 football. And it's been neat, Rick, to be able to do that. It was neat for you and I to be able to kind of text back as Jason and them were on the call. They actually had Jeff as their halftime interview. So overall, man, the Talking Ball Y'all group has been so blessed, man, by uh, – by good support from our, our local programs, from people like you that have given your time selfishly uh, and, and just really poured your heart and a soul into what you do. Jeff's uh, been that way from from day one. And so I appreciate uh, Jason Baker, who was on earlier, and all that's involved, man. It's, it's a really uh, special thing we have going, and it's a special time of year. It certainly is, Clay. It, it's been a fun ride this year, and, and we always say that it goes by just in a flash, and it certainly does. But, you know, you mentioned our three groups, Poplarville, Perver Central, and Picayune. You know, there's a lot of a lot of bleed over. You know, I, I, I just got back from a, a Blue Devil soccer game. Um, my daughter's a Blue Devil and uh, ran into Coach Hayden. His son's a Blue Devil soccer player, too, so – um, kind of we looked at each other like, man, are we lost here? You know, up at Hancock together watching uh, Blue Devil uh, soccer. But it, you have a lot of that stuff that kind of rolls over in the community, and it's a lot of fun. We always pull for one another and, and, uh, and hope one another does the best. Yeah, and that's the thing in the county and, and locally. You know, there's room for everybody. Uh, it always works best when everybody's kind of pulling for one another to succeed when people don't get uh, – kind of in their own silos and, and trying to box one another out. It's a lot of fun if we can all kind of pull in the same direction and have a lot of fun, plenty of coverage to go around. We appreciate our listeners for tuning in. We certainly appreciate our sponsors and our producer, Jeff Lossett.